0: You're going to be a little bit surprised. The invitation now it's on. Yeah. I appreciate the invitation. Thank you, Pastor Mark. And uh, I appreciate Southern Hills E-Free Church. You're a, you're a bright spot. You're the light on the hill. That's kind of your core here, but uh, you're a bright spot in our district as well. So I really do appreciate our partnership together. Open our Father's Word, if you would, this morning to Isaiah chapter 9, verse 6. And as you're opening to Isaiah 9, 6... Uh, I'll ask you a question, what are you expecting for Christmas this year? All of us have our expectations, right? All of us uh, have our, our list of things that we think we're going to get, that we hope we're going to get, and usually there aren't too many surprises, sometimes there's a big surprise, but yeah, usually we have a, we have a pretty good idea of what we're going to get. How do you deal with the gifts that are wrapped under the tree, All of us have a different method. Some of us are what I call gazers. You know, we just kind of walk by the tree and we look and we go, I know I didn't wrap that one, that one, or that one, so uh, based on the size, I wonder which one's mine. Some of us are a little bit more inquisitive. I call them snoopers. (laughs) I I saw a hand in the back. (laughs) You know, we rifle through it at 3 a.m. in the morning to see which one is ours. Some of us are a little bit more aggressive than that. And for those of us who have a yes, <laughs> you've got it, the shakers. Those of us that are older and have more experience know that that's not a good idea. It could be fragile. It could break. That, that might happen. We have one in our family. I have one in my family that uh, I'm not going to identify by name. I don't want to embarrass anybody except to say it's my youngest daughter <laughs> who is a re wrapper yeah she just couldn't stand the anticipation and we always knew that she had unwrapped it and rewrapped it because she's not real good at it and (laughs) but christmas time though it's supposed to be a time of joy and anticipation it's also a time of depression in fact there's a higher rate of depression according to counselors around Christmas time than any other time during the year. And it's also the highest uh, rate of suicide throughout the uh, calendar year. So why is that? Do, Do we have some unrealistic expectations regarding Christmas? And where did this idea of giving gifts at Christmas come from anyway? Some of you might think, well, you know, it's, it's a New Testament idea. No, actually, it's an Old Testament idea. It, it starts with Isaiah the prophet, and that's why I had you turn to Isaiah chapter 9, verse 6. When I ask you, what are you getting for Christmas in a spiritual sense, we all know the correct theological answer that we're supposed to give on Sunday morning, right? Isaiah chapter 9, verse 6. For unto us a child is born, unto us a son is given. And it's familiar. We hear it year after year. Maybe it's too familiar. Maybe it's just so familiar that we even, I don't know, dismiss it. What, What was the one gift that you could, one or two gifts that you can remember as a child that you got that even as an adult you go... Oh, I remember that Christmas. I remember when I got the, you remember, it right? How many of you are uh, familiar with the movie A Christmas Story? Okay, most of you have seen Christmas Story. I really identify with Ralph because I am that age. I am of that age. What did Ralph hope to get for Christmas? That's a real thing. I actually got one of those for Christmas. Yeah, and and I and I remember it. And I identify with Ralph. I didn't shoot my eye out. But I did shoot out my uncle's doorbell <laughs> and my cousin. I I do remember that. But that was even in the last century, literally. And if I got the same thing every year, it would just, you know, it just wouldn't thrill me at my age to get a Red Ryder BB gun every Christmas. And it goes on to say, and the government shall be upon his shoulders. How many of you want more government for Christmas? Oh, okay, I take it you've had enough for this year. Well, the people in Isaiah's time Really focused on that last half, not the first half. If you go back to verses 2 through 4, you'll see that it's referring to this child that's going to be announced in verse 9. And it says, The people who walk in darkness will see a great light. Those who live in a dark land, the light will shine upon them. You shall multiply the nation. Speaking of this child that's going to be born. You shall increase their gladness. They will be glad in your presence, as with gladness of harvest, as men rejoice who divide the spoil. You shall break the yoke of their burden and the staff on their shoulders, their rod of their oppressor, as the battle at Midian will be broken. You see, Israel, at the time when Isaiah was giving this prophecy, was under another government, and they were looking forward to a time when they would be set free, when they would be a different nation, a a, a godly nation. And so they missed the first half of the prophecy. And I think this is the source of depression and the source of discouragement at Christmas in America, even today, because we're looking and focusing upon one thing when we should be focusing upon something else. And what we focus on is what our expectation is. What are you focusing on right now? You're looking forward. You're sitting in rows and and y- y- you see some Christmas decorations and some odd tall guy that shows up once a year. And, and, and so that's your focus right now. You don't see the clown in the back that's doing juggling right now because you're focused. No, there's no clown in the back. I'm just. But that's kind of the focus in America. We're looking for peace on earth, right? Uh, we-, we hear the songs on the radio, such as John Lennon's Happy Christmas war or ha- happy Xmas, war is over, and and we hear that on the radio over and over, or we hear Amy Grant's "My Grown-Up Chris, uh, Christmas List," or even in that last song that we sang. I, I don't know if you were paying attention. It was talking yes about the sun, but it was also talking about this kingdom and this rule, and and we kind of get them mixed up and we focus on the wrong thing and this is how prophecy works prophecy in the old testament often the prophet was talking of something that was current to that age but something that would also be in the future and this prophecy of isaiah is talking about two future current events but they don't happen simultaneously For unto us a son is given, a child is born. That was a futuristic event which happened when Jesus was born. And the government will be upon his shoulders, different event. And you and I are between the first event and the second event. So the expectation, the focus is, where is the peace on earth? That's what some of the Christmas songs are about. We we talk about it, but it's not. That is a futuristic, yet-to-occur event. And yet, some of the gift has already been given to us. So let's look at what it is that has been given to us and what we should be focusing upon that will bring us the the joy and get us out of that depression. It says in the second half of that verse, it defines who this gift is. And it starts with, he is a wonderful counselor. Well, that's how it's translated in your version. Actually, if you take it literally from the Hebrew, it is wonder counselor. Uh, How many of you have had a wonder counselor in your life? How many of you have had bad counsel that has been given to you? It's interesting, we use, uh, uh, one of the terms that we use to describe attorneys or lawyers is we call them counselors. Do they always give good counsel? Mm, Sometimes, but not always. But all of us need counsel. All of us seek counsel. It might be something as simple as you ask a friend or your spouse, so so what do you think about this? You're asking for counsel. Or some of us go deeper. We're really looking for somebody to analyze a situation, and and we're really looking for even deeper information. So who is this wonder counselor? Well, unto us a child is born, unto us a, a son is given. And basically, what we can expect from God's gift and what we have been given already in the fulfillment of the first half of the prophecy is we have been given the absolute wisdom of God. You see, when God sent his Son, we were given one who can speak about any topic or any subject. There is nothing to which he cannot speak in our lives. What is your concern? What, what are some of the things that are concerning you right now in your life? Finances? Interesting. Scripture has over a thousand verses talking about finances and wealth and possessions. Only 500 verses that talk about prayer what are some of the other concerns that you might have? Relational? If you're concerned about relationships, there's a lot in Scripture that talks about proper relationships and improper relationships. There's a lot, for instance, even in uh, the the book of Proverbs that, that talks about this type of stuff. Maybe life direction. You see, when Christ came, He had so much wisdom He had so much counsel. Read the words of Matthew and Mark and Luke and John as you go through the life of Christ, and you can see that there's not much in your life that he hasn't already given us counsel concerning. He is a wonder counselor. It goes on to say, not only that, but he shall be called mighty God. Now, this is an interesting phrase in Isaiah's text. Mighty God is a word that is used that is translated by Jewish people and by cults alike. It's it's translated, he will be a godlike hero. But it is a synonym for another word that they don't use. In the Old Testament there are several uh Hebrew words to describe who God is. And one of them is Yahweh. Well, Yahweh was the unspeakable name to a orthodox Jewish person. They they couldn't say that word because it is it is the big word for who God is all encompassing. So Isaiah uses this word mighty God, or it's translated mighty God, or as I say, the uh, the uh, Jewish translators or the cults even call it a godlike hero. But really, it the, the real word there is Yahweh. You have been given God in the form of man. Well, how does that work? Because we all know that god is so expansive so powerful so wonderful so infinite so if we were to stand in the presence of god we couldn't stand i I, I mean that's that's how mighty and wonderful you sang about that earlier so what god has done is he has revealed himself to us in a form that we can view that we can understand We call it, the theological term is incarnation, God in the form of man. Well, how do you put God, who is infinite, in the form of man, who is finite? How does that work? If you've had concerns about that or questions, you're not alone. Theologians have been discussing this for a couple thousand years. At uh, one of the big events, uh, they used to have councils back in the early uh, times following Christ, and one of them is called the Council of Nicaea. This was 325 A.D., and they were trying to figure out how, how, do, we, how do we describe God in the form of man, God incarnate, and they came up with a Latin term, homoousius, Jesus is of the same substance as God. Well, okay, but that doesn't quite quite do it for me. Uh, I, I like the way one author, his name is Howard Butt, described this in a book that's about half a century old now called The Velvet Covered Brick. He says it this way. He says, two miracles in one. God stooping to become man, man exalted to become God. He was the God-man. No, that overemphasizes the one. He was the man-God. Well, no, that overemphasizes the other. Say it faster then. God-man-man-God. You can't do it. You can't say it all at the same time. He was absolute man as if he had not been God, he was absolute God, as if he had not been man. Perfect man? Perfect God. The Almighty compacted down into one living, breathing human being. God stood six foot three. God had brown hair. God weighed 185 pounds. I don't know his specific weight, hair coloring or height. The point is he was a specific, identifiable man. Jesus Christ was older than his mother. Okay? He made the ground she walked on. He made the air that she breathed. He made the water that she drank. all things were made by him. What do you expect at Christmas this year? You have mighty God, God in the form of man. God coming to us in in a way, that he could relate to us on a level that we understand by sight and by word and by hearing. It's all there for us. It's all in the book, but it comes through a relationship with him, and that happens by reading the words that he has said, hearing the counsel that he has given, by conversation with him that we call prayer, and I don't mean a A simple, quick, little prayer. I mean, really focusing and listening and hearing from him. So we have the wonder counselor. We have the mighty God. That's what we get at Christmas. You should be excited. (laughs) But wait, there's more. (laughs) Sounds like a cheap motion, right? You know, if you order now in the next 20 minutes, he is also, Isaiah goes on to say, the eternal father well this comes from the last what is divine mighty god must also by necessity be eternal right okay i'm having problems with that one too god in the form of man is difficult but eternal have you ever tried to figure out where space ends have you ever had that conversation in your head and if it ends at a wall, what's on the other side? More space, right? I mean, infinity is something that I cannot, in this form, comprehend or understand. What, what is the eternal, Father? What does that mean? Eternal is longer than any toothache you have ever had that you thought wouldn't end. Eternal is longer than any sermon you thought would never it's been more than 12 minutes by the way (laughs) i I like the idea of a gift that lasts forever earlier i asked you what what was the gift that you remember from childhood do you still have it yeah my red rider got taken away after i shot my cousin (laughs) and even if it hadn't i'm pretty sure i wouldn't still be lugging it around at this age But John chapter 5, verse 24 says this. Truly, and this is Jesus speaking, truly, truly, I say to you, he who hears my word and believes in him who has sent me has what? Eternal life. He is the eternal father. And he does not come into judgment, but he has passed from death into life. You see, that's the gift that I'm given. Whereas mighty God, that earlier one, emphasizes his authority, eternal Father emphasizes his compassion. So you've got the authority of God, but you've got the friendship of God as well. And then finally, Isaiah ends with he is the prince of peace. The Hebrew here is sar shalom. Many of you have heard that word shalom in the past. What is shalom? What is, what is eternal? What is this uh, prince of peace? He brings peace. He brings security. He brings comfort. He brings freedom from dis- depression and from crisis. If we only back away from the stuff and the busyness of life, and we we rest in that relationship with him when all of the busyness is taking place. It's not just outward peace. It's not the kind of peace that, again, the, the songwriters are saying, well, where is the peace on earth? Well, you're right. You're correct. We still have war. We still have conflict. Yeah. All you have to do is go... To last week's news and you can see all of the uh, unrest that's taking place around the world but it, it, it's not he's not talking about that kind of peace he's talking about when all of that is happening around me i have peace within why because i i have his counsel he is the mighty counselor he is the he is the mighty god he is the eternal father and I know that when it's all said and done, I still have eternal life. I still will go on forever with with him it's it's like a typical housewife on a typical day when the kids are screaming and the dishwasher is broken and the phone won't stop ringing and the dish and and she forgot to pick up her mother-in-law at the airport and you know, and you ask her, so how's it going? What do you think her normal answer is? It's been a cruddy day. I'm done. But if you have all of this, she can say, it is well with my soul. See, it's an inner peace, not focused on all of the stuff that's going on outside and around. To the extent and depth that you have given your life to Jesus that you have so arranged your discipline and your schedule and your life that you spend time with him every day in conversation we call that prayer in hearing his counsel we call that his word in walking with them with him we call that throughout the day i'm i'm listening not only to the the white noise around me of the world but i'm listening to that holy spirit who speaks to me internally as all of the other crises are taking place that's what my expectation should be if i'm looking for peace in my family i i i people have asked me so so how you doing greg i just got back from sabbatical i don't know if you n- know that or not in fact this is my first message I, this is the first time in the pulpit for three months for me so if i seem more off than i normally seem that's why <laughs> so how was your thanksgiving well i had a stress test at thanksgiving you did yeah i had the family over for you know <laughs> But to the extent that I'm focused not on the government shall be upon his shoulders, I'm looking for peace in my community or in my state or in my nation or in my world. Ah, oh. you see, I'm, I'm focused on the wrong piece of what my expectation for Christmas should be. So again, I ask you, what, what are your expectations? What are you getting for Christmas? When I asked that question to begin with, you were probably thinking about something material that you're going to receive in a, in a box, or if you're lucky, in your garage. <laughs> you know what? Ten years from now, that's not going to mean anything to you. So, what if this Christmas even though you have shopped and wrapped and given gifts to other people, what if this Christmas you didn't receive one gift from anybody? Would that be enough? Yeah, some of you are smiling and going, but your heart's going. (laughs) Yeah, we have expectations. But I think it's because we're focused in the wrong direction. Heavenly Father, (laughs) help us in this season every day to think about a child has been born to us. A son has been given. And to think about those four phrases in the last part of chapter 6 or verse 6 of Isaiah chapter 9. You have given us so much in your Son and you have given up so much that we might know you through your Son. And for this, help us to give you praise. Help us to focus so much on that that all of the white noise that is around us of the season fades away because we are so grateful we are so filled in our heart truly that there is peace beyond measure we ask in christ's name amen 12 minutes Thank you, Dr. Frill. Let's stand together as we sing our final song.